Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Tis the season to get glammy. I'm nominated for two 2022 Glam Awards for Best Podcast and Best Writer Blogger, and I need your help to win. This year, both categories are in the People's Choice voting, so the public will determine who wins. All you need to do is go to GlamAwards.net, click the tab for People's Choice, and vote! You might only be allowed to use your email once, so you better tell all your friends, family, enemies, hell, even tell your sexy neighbor, your dog walker, and even your Disney-obsessed besties! Vote now before the voting window closes, and I repeat, tell everyone. Oh, and while you're at it, visit my Instagram and click the link tree to find out how you can help fund our adventure to London to cover DragCon UK. Your donation might get you an exclusive Block Talk pin. How cool is that? And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheatreInTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Have you ever wondered how your favorite attractions operate? What made them the fan favorites that we know and love? The history behind the ride that came to be? Well, you're in luck as we are here to share it all in a brand new series called Make Mike Ride. We will be discussing and disseminating some of the best theme park rides the world has to offer. Put on your ponchos and zip up your essentials in your ride-themed Ziploc baggies. We're going to have a zippity-doo-dah day as we talk about the controversial fan favorite log flume ride, Splash Mountain. Joining me in the Briar Patch is fellow Glam Award-nominated podcast host, C. Shepard. Hello, hello, hey. hello. How are Talking you? about my favorite topic, Disney. <laughs> oh, I was going to say racism? No, no, that racism. I definitely... <laughs> I, I don't know when I want to put the disclaimer, but the disclaimer is that I do not condone <laughs> any of the racist like history of this ride. And there I, it is. I am totally fine with them retheming it because it's just like crazy. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the what's really complicated when discussing Splash Mountain nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll, we'll discuss it when we start with why we enjoy this ride um but for the longest time we were just unaware i guess because if disney says it's okay why not believe them i mean i first went on this ride as a kid so how like no one was teaching me critical race theory which that's a whole other thing when i was 10 years old exactly obviously as you get older you learn about this and you're like oh my god but i also have to say like it's not like this is the only like themed like park ride that it has racist like tones to it like Dumbo the film has racist elements in it absolutely Peter Pan the film is makes me uncomfortable to watch because it has racist elements in it so it's not just Splash Brown yeah I I think that could be an entire different podcast about the evolution (laughs) of um racism through Disney and the erasure of racism through disney um but we're gonna try to discuss the ride itself yes and Mm -hmm. everything about the ride warning this podcast will give secrets and spoilers to the magic of the attraction you've been warned no complaining wants to tell you how things operate um but to begin with splash mountain and disney we got to learn what draws you into the world of disney when did you become a disney fanatic so like growing up like I wasn't the richest kid, 
So all the kids would always talk about Disney World, Disney World, Disney World. And like all I had to go by with the actual park itself was Disney sing-along songs. Yeah. So because like they actually featured like the rides in the videotapes. Mm-hmm. But like when I was 10 years old, after years and years of begging, my grandparents finally took me to Disney World, specifically Magic Kingdom and, and Animal Kingdom, I believe at the time. And like, you know, it's a child's dream come true and like splash mountain i was always a kid who like loved thrill rides and like my family is very anti-thrill ride except for my grandpa so he would be the only person who would go on with me and like um i loved hershey park because they had a lot of coasters but this magic kingdom itself doesn't really have too many thrill rides right and as a kid i was very disappointed about that <laughs> so like to find splash mountain like this really cool like thrill ride like i would just keep going on it over and over and over again and everyone was just like all right you go on by yourself <laughs> yeah i i loved splash mountain um i think when i was officially like old enough to ride it and the right height to ride it um, Splash Mountain became my favorite because um, as a kid, my favorite used to be It's a Small World. Um, no mean, one judge me, it's please. It's fun. It's fun. It's so fun. I like colorful things. I like fun. Um, I would beg to ride Splash Mountain like over and over. Yep. Um, I also was a swimmer, so I didn't mind getting wet on things. My mm-hmm. parents, though, they're like, are you are you fucking kidding me? We're, we, no, I don't want to get wet again. Um, but at least they went on with you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my, my mom did more than my dad. Like my last recent trip in May, um, I think it was like the last day we were there at Magic Kingdom. I was like, I want to go on again. And my mom's like, I can't, I'm not doing it. You go on it yourself. And it's like, but it's the last time I'll ever be on this version of it. And she's like, I don't care. Like, okay, <laughs> fine. I'm going. Um, and of course it almost broke down before I got on or no, it wasn't a breakdown. It was because of the weather. I was like, you better not oh. close this on me. I'm oh. getting on this, but I got on. It was fine. Okay. Um, but as a child, as we kind of alluded to earlier, we didn't know about the source material Absolutely of not. the ride. To be fair, we didn't have access to the movie to know any better. That's true. So I don't think Disney anyone is, has. <laughs> right. So if Disney's showing this ride and like has been celebrating and it's one of the park's like top tier attractions, why would we think any different of it? Yeah. But we're going to dive through that and try to figure out if there was a time that Disney was aware and just didn't do anything about it. And there might have been a couple moments when they could have addressed it and they didn't. (laughs) Oopsie. Good job, Michael Eisner. Um, Let's go through it. The basics. Splash Mountain is a log flume attraction at Disneyland, Tokyo Disneyland, and Magic Kingdom based on the animated sequences of the 1946 Disney film Song of the South. In June 2020, it was announced that the U.S. versions of the ride would be rethemed based on the 2009 Disney animated film, The Princess and the Frog. It will be titled Tiana's Bayou Adventure, will open in late 2024, and we will discuss that toward the end of this podcast um, as a uh, gift to the future, as we will predict things, say things about it, and then probably be completely wrong when it opens. Yep. Now... You mentioned Disney World. Is that the only Splash Mountain you've been on? I, so I've been to Disneyland twice and I just cannot remember if I've done that, that, that Splash Mountain. I probably have. I just cannot remember. It was an yeah, interesting la- time of my life. <laughs> the last time I was in Disneyland, I w- it was like 22 years ago, 21 years ago. So I don't remember it uh, for yeah. me. Like, oh, Splash Mountain had to be the same. Preparing for this podcast, it's not the same. It's very different. Um, okay. 
different experiences, different on-ride experiences. Mm -hmm. But I would love to go through the history of the attraction. And if you have any fun facts or revelations that you found when you were going through Splash Mountain, feel free to chime in. But let's begin with Splash Mountain originally being conceived by Imagineer Tony Baxter in 1983. He wanted to attract guests to the often empty bear country land in Disneyland as the only attraction at the time was Country Bear Jamboree, which would close in Disneyland in 2001, as well as make use of the audio animatronic figures from the America Sings attraction, which was a poorly attended show. Um, have you ever watched any videos from America Sings? I only, so I did a lot of research for this episode. I've only seen tiny clips that they used to talk about the attraction for Splash Mountain. So like they reused a lot of the animatronics. So I've only seen like tiny clips of the animatronics. It's kind of weird to be like, oh my God, you've just been recast in a different um, show. Basically yeah. they just plopped them in. No changes, maybe a different nope. hat or costume, same characters. But animatronics are so expensive and that technology mm -hmm. was so difficult. Like it makes sense that like yeah. reuse it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think one of my favorite animatronic stories is going to be uh, always um, the Superstar Limo um, when they just rethemed it to Monsters, Inc. and literally just put a different um, casing on everybody. It, I, that's what they got to do because it's just it, the time and the money. It just doesn't make sense. And obviously, when we get to it, we'll discuss whether um, some of these characters are going to be rethemed or have... Um, new costumes on because it's going to be interesting the animation style is not even close to being the same nope though i will say rare rare and um, lewis could be the same they could make use of that i don't know <laughs> i don't know if they want like the actual characters to still be yeah. i don't know that's fair that's fair then President of Walt Disney Attractions, Nick, Dick Nunes, insisted that Imagineers create a log flume for Disneyland. The Imagineers felt a log flume attraction was too ordinary of a theme park attraction for Disneyland. I found that a very interesting fact. I love log flumes. It's surprising that it wasn't there. I think when discussing log flumes, most people just see like a regular log flume. There's no theming to it. It just goes up yeah. and then you go down. So I understand the Imagineer fear of this, but when you have an idea that can work, then it, a log, it doesn't even feel like a log flume. Yeah. Also, I love log flumes. They're really fun. They are. I don't, see, I'm, I, when I was younger, I was not a huge roller coaster person, but I love the thrill. And there's mm -hmm. something about the water that I felt safer in. Uh, wait till we discuss other incidents in water. Well, <laughs> But I've always felt safer than that, than like a track. So I was like, I can do a log flume. This is fun. Now, to marry the desire for a log flume, bring the guests into bear country and use the America Sings characters, Baxter thought of Song of the South as the source material. Um, I Why? I guarantee <laughs> you he regretted that one. I, I, that's what I would love to know. I'm just, I don't know if he's ever addressed it as to why I, that was. I think why. Um, it's okay. So I watched a bunch of videos on this. I think, don't quote me. I'm not a Disney expert. By any means, I know there's people who are total experts. That's not me. I think it was because the Imagineer who was working or, or who like they like admired did the actual illustrations and came up with the characters mm -hmm. gotcha. for the movie. And so like it was kind of like an homage to him and his creations, like not necessarily the material itself, but the actual like characters that they created, like animated characters. And so like they wanted to like 
you know give a shout out basically and like and and to be fair by 1983 the um options of critter films was quite limited yeah i feel like they could have done like a bambi ride or something <laughs> yes you get shot down <laughs> i mean look splash mountain is pretty dark which we'll get into but like splash mountain has a freaking dark story so like it does, it does. At, at least for me as a kid so like bambi like besides the mom getting shot part like just like thumper like mm-hmm. they could have done fair. that that's fair that's fair i can see it all right so the original concept title was zippity river run but was later changed to splash mountain at the insistence of Michael Eisner as he desired to help market the Walt Disney Studios 1984 film, Splash. So, do Splash Mountain and Splash have any correlation? Not a nope. bit. Um, I think that I know was this genius. Is a, I'm sorry. I think that was I, I, I think he's <laughs> always going to be ridiculed for this as being one of his stupidest decisions. I think that was But genius. also it worked. Like, you're, you're doing two different marketing campaigns for two totally different entities, but like all that matters is that you remember what it's called. Exactly. So that was genius. Genius. Um, I mean, <laughs> there are no mermaids on Splash Mountain. No. That we know of. They could no. they could be swimming through. We don't know. Now, to help animate and fix the story and station problems, Dave Fenton was brought in where he moved nearly all of the animatronics to new locations and removed 10 animatronic figures entirely. It's now 1987. And the plans to build the ride were officially unveiled. At the time, Disney officials stated they would not be expecting criticism for its Song of the South theming due to the ride only including the film's animated animal characters. Let's break this down a bit. <laughs> animated characters in a racist film, that doesn't mean it's not racist. I mean, the characters themselves are literal like characters. Right. Um, so that was their first chance to not do it. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. I think they were like, oh, this property is so obscure. People might not know about it because I'm pretty sure by the 80s, they literally just stopped showing Song of the South anywhere. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what's interesting is it's almost like they wanted to reignite these characters and these, this story as its own. Yeah. Like create its own more with the ride itself. Right. Um, which didn't necessarily happen. Nope. It would also be at the time one of the most expensive projects created by Walt Disney Imagineers at 75 million. To put into perspective, to build the entire park at that time was 17 million, which translated to around 80 million. So it costs about five million dollars less to build one attraction compared to the entire park. That's so crazy. And they still used other elements that were already there mm-hmm. to build this direction, which is crazy. But if you watch how it was built, it's like literally creating like a 30 story building in yeah. New York. Like the way it was designed, like it makes sense why it costs so much. Mm-hmm. The attraction would eventually go over budget, forcing the official closure of America Sings and the official relocation of all those characters from that attraction. Um, no one was surprised. Um, anytime I read anything or watch videos about America Sings, it was a period of dated history. Well, it was designed for the centennial right. or bicentennial. Sorry. I know I'm bad with this. Uh, but the bicentennial, which was like in 76. 
Right. So by the eighties, like, like that fervor was gone. Like no one's like, Oh my God, it's been 200 years. Cause it's way past 200 years by that point. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, if they kept it alive and kept the characters there, they could have rethemed it and had the animals do Hamilton. <laughs> You're not wrong. You could do that with the hall of presidents, I guess. Oh no. <laughs> you know what? It's going to happen at some point. Lin-Manuel Miranda is just going to be like, I have done so much for y'all. Just put Hamilton here. They should. They should. They should um, get more people to go. I mean, I, 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 again, I did sit through that last Hall of Presidents when I was there in uh, May, just because I wanted to see Joe Biden's animatronic and yeah. also watch Donald Trump's animatronic just do nothing. Um, that was fun. <laughs> but yeah, and also sit in that room and um, hear someone scream out, go Brandon. And I was like, where? I'm going to lose it. But yeah, I that, mean, you're in the South, so. And literally as we know um, it's florida <laughs> mm-hmm. Very rich. but yeah it, it's it, i think there are a lot of things that can be rethemed or reimagined i mean maybe maybe, maybe i'll do an entire podcast about it Ooh. yes i will it will happen um now splash mountain in disneyland was set to open in january 1989 but was delayed due to technical issues including test riders getting soaked rather than lightly sprayed the boats had to be redesigned to be lighter and hold up to seven passengers rather than eight. So basically one fatty in the back ruined it all. Hi, me. I'm <laughs> um, Splash Mountain officially opened on July 17th, 1989. And it wasn't until November of that year did plans to include cameras to catch the final drop be incorporated. By January 14th, 1990, Disney announced the Splash Mountain would be brought to Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom and Tokyo Disneyland, both opening in 1992 within a day of each other. Tokyo's on October 1st, Magic Kingdom's on October 2nd. Along with Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and Space Mountain, Splash Mountain is included in the Mountain Challenge of the three thrill rides found at Magic Kingdom and Disneyland. Now the question will be, will the new iteration of attraction still live in the world of the Mountain Challenge? I guess we'll have to find out in 2024. Because I don't, I don't know if like uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is technically part of the Mountain Challenge. What is the Mountain Challenge? It's just doing all the rides in a row? No, it's doing the three mountains in one day. Oh, it's a challenge? Yeah. That's, it. That's it. Because sometimes it's, it's hard to get onto those um, attractions oh. in one single day. Okay. Uh, I did it. I did it last time, but I was also. I'm because... like, if you have Genie Plus, it shouldn't be too. Well, having Genie Plus, and also when the day that I was able to do it last trip was because we were staying at a deluxe resort, uh, so uh, we got an extra two hours in the park. Um, so yeah. we, we accomplished it, but um, yeah, because then in Disneyland, technically Matterhorn could be included in it, though it's not a quoted mountain. But who knows? Whatever. Now, are you ready sir, for some fun facts? I found out some fun facts. Yeah. To celebrate the opening of the attraction in Disneyland, a TV special called Ernst Goes to Splash Mountain was filmed, where comedian Jim Varney returned to play the titular character. Um, Ernest movies, I watched them as a child. Um, I thought Jim Varney was going to be like the superstar of forever, and then he, did, he died. Um, did you ever watch the Ernest movies? Um, so it was always on TV, like for reruns, but I just never knew what it was. Like, I, it's just like a funny looking dude. So I just never spent any time doing that. Yeah, he, he was a silly hillbilly, uh, which I guess okay. is what comedy is. Making fun of stereotypes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. S. Bianca W. 
There it is. Now, <laughs> d- during the 2018 season, the Magic Kingdom location received a new official sponsorship by Ziploc would create custom plastic bags to protect belongings of guests who rode the attraction. Um, before then, there were Ziplocs that you could put in, put your stuff in that had like the attraction on it. I believe I still have a couple from uh, the early days. Uh, but I would always remember like going in and getting them um, just because I was like, this is what I can bring back and it costs me nothing because other things at Disney cost your life. Everything. Um, did you ever bring home any of the Ziplocs? I don't remember these Ziplocs. The, what some, year was this? <laughs> um, well, I, I see 2018, I hadn't been there. So I don't know when this official sponsorship was, but it was definitely beforehand um yeah, in my earlier trips in the 2000s um, but yeah it was just like a ziploc and it had um like the uh, the logo and it was like have a zippity doo day and you just put your stuff in there so it didn't get soaked wow i i like i can't remember <laughs> yes um if anyone knows the exact dates of when it was launched please let us know i would love to know that's cool yeah a version of the attraction was planned for disneyland paris but was scrapped due to budget and colder weather in europe that's fine. I can I can understand that. I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's cold. Who's going on the ride? But also, like, it's such an expensive ride. Like, it's at for Disney, it doesn't really make sense. Like financially, the big drop is fifty two point five feet or sixteen meters for all y'all international listeners, and it drops at a forty five degree angle. It is one of the fastest rides achieved on a Disney attraction at forty miles per hour at the drop obviously since then it's been outrun by many 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 attractions so it's not a top thrill ride as much anymore but i remember when i was younger and it was like one of the biggest and scariest rides oh yeah uh, to now go back on it after like riding like expedition everest you're like this is kind of puny yeah but honestly, especially as a kid, like just, oh, yeah. it, it's how you feel when you go on the drop. Absolutely. Like for me, that was like the whole point. That's why I love this ride. Like forget all the terrible things associated with it for one second. Just like, I love the ride purely for the drop. That's why I yeah. don't have a problem with them retheming at all. Like I just, that drop is just everything for me. It's almost like a gateway attraction for a kid to a kid to teen where yeah. it's a thrill enough but it's not too scary. And the nice part about it is, is that it's basically like a 10 minute long ride. It is. Which is like, I love coasters, but why I chose this ride over like Space Mountain is because um, it's mostly in the dark, but it's so short. Like I don't like, it's great with in the moment, but you don't like necessarily like think about it after you get off. I mean, there's something about a 10 minute dark ride that Disney does Again, we know that the source material is not the best, but just looking at the technology that they achieved on this attraction, it's unmatched by almost any other company worldwide. Yeah. If you go on any other log flume ride, which I've been on many, Mm -hmm. it's pretty straightforward. Like there's, there's nothing. You just get on the log and that's it. (laughs) You will get wet. Whether from shooting geysers or waterfalls along the side to the big backsplash of the drops, the attraction uses around 965,000 gallons of water. Wow, I didn't realize that. It's a lot of water. Um, the attraction has one of the biggest animated props ever built with its 35-foot-wide showboat featured at the end of the ride. Um, I've always, that was always one 
one of my favorite parts of the ride is to see this like giant riverboat and I'm like this is so cool I don't know what it means but it's so cool looking. yeah I like even like I did some point of view videos before this and I'm just like I don't remember this but it's cool <laughs> For those who have noticed the flashing street lanterns in the loading area, they are themed to the world of the attraction, but are used by cast members to know when the logs are about to move into the station as to prepare guests to embark on their journey. Now I'm going to have to go look at those and, and notice them. Yeah, I definitely never noticed. That's the thing about Disney theming is everything you need for safety is there, but you if as you a choose. guest, you'll never know. You'll never know it's there. Smart. It's smart as I. It is. There are a bunch of hidden Mickeys, but at the top of the big hill, there is a hidden Mickey profile. The rock juts out in the shape of Mickey's nose. So anyone who goes on the ride, go find Mickey's nose. Um, obviously, usually the Mickey hidden Mickeys are usually the um, head and two ears, but this one is the the profile. So I want to go huh. back and find it. Very yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I hope they keep that. I, I mean, we're, we're, we have some theories on on, on the yeah. Uh, there, I mean, theme. yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> It'll be very interesting. I, I think one day when I make like a billion dollars and I can just live at Disney for a month or a year or for my life, um, I'm gonna do an entire day where I just go through all the parks and just go find the hidden Mickey's. Nothing else. I'll eat maybe go on a ride or two. I want to find all the hidden Mickey's. There's people who do that for real. It's like that's, what the, that's, that's all the they job do. I want. I want that. As noted, the ride is inspired by the animated characters from the Song of the South. The attraction has drifted away from some story elements, including Br'er Rabbit's attempt uh, attempted demise in the film. Br'er Fox uses a tar baby, a doll made of ter turpentine and tar that appears to resemble an african-american baby to trick Br'er rabbit into getting stuck in the tar in the attraction it has been changed to Br'er rabbit getting stuck in the honeycomb instead which means there was another opportunity for them to know maybe not the right Don't source material yeah mm -hmm. um i found this interesting like again to know that this was an active choice and still there were no red flags i think they were more i don't know but like my, from what I've researched, it seemed like they were more interested just to pay homage to this like animator slash Imagineer that they really thought about like the whole, like maybe this is not the best idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For those voice actor fans out there, the same actor who voices Br'er Rabbit also voices the Animaniacs own Wacko Warner. Huh. Kind of cool. Now, in the late 1990s, the attraction received the nickname Flash Mountain, as some <laughs> female riders would briefly expose their breasts during the drop, hoping to make illicit use of the in-ride photographs that Disney later sells to riders. <laughs> Are we surprised? That's genius. Read the nipple. Um, I'm not someone who prescribes to the silly, stupid um, on-ride antics for the photos mostly because i know when i go on there are other people who will be in the photo and if i had someone ruin my photograph that i'm supposed to cherish for my entire life i'd be furious so that's why i i never do crazy things like if i have an entire car of me and my people that's a whole different story yeah then we're gonna go all out um have you done anything on a ride that um is crazy and antic full I'm always stupid. Like I just never, like I could ride a ride like 
50 times and I won't know where the camera is or when it's coming. Like, it doesn't matter how many times I've been on the run. I just don't know where it is. So I just like, just enjoy it. I try to like stay present during the run. I don't, I don't yeah. care about the photo. I'm not take, like, I'm not buying the $20 photo. So that's why we have photo camera. pass. I can't afford that either. <laughs> um, yeah, I so I went with my mom the last time, and again, as the Disney nerd I am, I watched all the ride throughs. I've been on most of the rides, so I knew where to pay attention to. Even nudging her and being like, "Get ready for the photo," right over head. We have oh, some yeah. photos. I'm like, "Do do you realize what you look like here?" <laughs> um, but I will say, when you get to do a ride that you've never done before and you don't know where that location is that's when some of the most priceless photos you'll ever get are my photo from the first time riding uh, cosmic rewind Ooh. is my favorite photo i've ever done oh, because you can see. see the pure joy in my face yeah oh like, that's the best ride i like to just be in the moment i don't give a shit about a photo that's like that i'm not paying for <laughs> i i guess my question would be the, these ladies who um flashed and didn't get any beads for mardi gras did they get thrown out of the park that's a good question because i'm pretty sure disney would try to get rid like look disney's a family-friendly place like literally like like that's like the whole thing like i think it's very like read the nipple aside i think it's inappropriate just to have kids around be doing i agree now in march 2022 tokyo disneyland announced that their splash mountain would become splash mountain get wet max from July 1st to August 31st due to the scorching heat and humidity in Tokyo during the summer. Do you know how they achieved the max part of Get Wet Max? I'm kind of nervous to ask. <laughs> so after the drop, when you're in that little little tunnel place, yeah, they had spray machines. Oh, okay. And got you from the side. Yeah. A lot um, of parks do that. I love that idea, but also... I would be soaked. What do I do? What do you, like? Were the machines free or did you have to pay for them? Because I've been to a park, oh, like Bush Gardens in like Virginia. Like you have to pay to do that. So most people Oh no, don't this do was it. the enhanced version. So if you went on that ride, you were getting extremely okay. wet. Okay, I got you. Um, but I, like there are definitely times when I've been on like Holly River Rapids and been soaked afterwards and like can't and, like have to walk really weird and people think I'm <laughs> <laughs> Got poop in my shit in my pants. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I appreciate this right now because it's 90 degrees and I'm happy and you're not. Yeah. You know, you, just, as long as it's hot enough, it, you're, it's not going to be like that for It's us. just when you have to compromise riding Splash Mountain at night for that gorgeous view and then you're soaked at night and it's a little chilly and you're like, yeah. And then I'm going on a bus back to my resort in the AC. This wasn't smart, but yeah. Class. It's I've never done it at night. I heard it's nice to see so fireworks. <laughs> it is. My trick last time is I don't like sitting and standing for the fireworks. It's just not my thing. I'm not a huge fireworks person. Okay. What we did is we perfectly timed it. So we were on the people mover to watch the fireworks. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Very, and it was one of those things where like you, ha- it was literally within minutes of getting on at the right time. And there was a line because there were other like-minded people trying to get on the yeah. people mover. Um, but it's really cool. That's that's the fun part about Disney. They know that you can watch the fireworks from other locations. Yep. You can be on Dumbo and still see the fireworks. Yep. I did that for Disneyland. I was on like one of the, like a, like a kiddie train mm-hmm. ride there. And then like the fireworks were, it was totally pitch black in that like train ride and like fireworks everywhere. Yeah. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. 
Now, as tradition with many 90s ABC sitcoms, Splash Mountain did make a cameo in season three of Boy Meets World as Corey and Sean are without a hotel room and find themselves sleeping on Splash Mountain. So I've watched pretty much every, like when I was a kid, of every episode of um, Boy Meets World. I don't remember this episode. <laughs> I think it was season three, episode 21, around the end of the season. Back, back when shows would be 23 episodes yep. a year. Um, I think that's when it was. I haven't gone back to watch the episode, but um, that's the fun part of these Disney series of like, oh my God, this is realism. And no, you can't sleep on the rides. Michelle Tanner can't have an entire parade based on her life. And that's not how it works. <laughs> I re- th- those full house episodes. I was just so jealous. I just lived vicariously through everybody. And I bet you there were little ABC girls features. like you who would go to Disney and be like, can I have be princess for the day? And they're like, no. Like, but yeah, I saw no. on TV. No, it's not real. No. I know. They really screwed us up <laughs> with their marketing. All right. So let's go through the ride on ride experience, shall we? Yes. Although there are variations in the story and the features between the three locations, each installation begins with begins with a peaceful outdoor float through that leads to the dark segments with a climactic steep drop into the briar patch, followed by an indoor finale. All the same. But how it all weaves and bobs is a little different. But here is the overall story that they're trying to tell. The story is a composite of several Uncle Remus stories as it tells the tale of Br'er Rabbit, a mischievous character who leaves his home in search of adventure. Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear are determined to catch him but are repeatedly tricked into letting him free. The sharp-witted Br'er Rabbit avoids a snare trap and uses it to trap Br'er Bear instead. Br'er Rabbit continues on his journey to find his laughing place out of curiosity. His foes follow him, but only for Br'er Rabbit to lead them into the Cavern of Bees. Br'er Fox eventually catches Br'er Rabbit in a beehive and threatens to roast him. Br'er Rabbit uses reverse psychology on Br'er Fox, begging the fox not to throw him into the briar patch. He throws him in, and that is our log flume drop. Br'er Rabbit escapes uninjured. The other animals rejoice to have Br'er Rabbit back home, while Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear are last seen narrowly escaping the jaws of Br'er Gator. Again. If you know know the source material, it seems all happy and fine. Yeah, it seems like, you know, it's just like another cartoon. Like you Mm -hmm. wouldn't, as a kid, you wouldn't know the dark subtext unless we're taught it at school, I guess. Like, right. And I think, again, the more we learn, the more that you realize that, like, the characters of like Rare Foss, especially, is very stereotypical. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, Like, who does, it's just, just just the characterization (laughs) and the voice that they use. Yes you can't unhear it now yeah it's it's very like personally i it's just very upsetting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now the technology behind it all three versions of the ride feature the same scenes and similar layout um the hollow tree stump on the top of splash mountain is modern uh, modeled after the the exterior of Br'er fox's lair in song of the south it is called chickaman hill um and everyone uses it as uh, what the reference is with if they're referring to the uh, top of um, Splash Mountain. That's Weenie. what that image is. For the majority of the attraction, the ride is set on a meandering river until it is converted to a roller coaster style track in complete darkness as you descend into the Laughing Place Caverns. Did you know that they use roller coaster elements to it? It makes sense. Yeah. So Just the little, way it's like, designed. Yeah, that little uh, conveyor belt thing is technically a roller coaster element. Did not know that. Kind of fun, though. It makes sense. Um, spoiler alert 
you're not really in the mountain, but a show building behind the mountainous facade. Five-story building. It is so cool because I saw like the construction photos of it, how they because it's mainly underground, like mm-hmm. just like the tunnels like they it's crazy. Like I, it's literally kind of like a subway system. <laughs> Would you ever want to like do an exclusive VIP tour and see the inner workings of these rides or do you think it would ruin the illusion for you? Absolutely. No, I would love to see it. I like, I really like all the like, like Disney has been doing a lot of like imagineering documentaries on their own mm-hmm. end. And it's just like fascinating all the detail and just like, like the actual engineering aspect of it. And like, this is just for a theme park and it's like Absolutely. so much effort. <laughs> and again, listeners, you, you, you're going to hear me reference um, Cosmic Rewind quite a bit, but we'll get to that episode after enough people have gotten the chance to ride it. Um, but again, like just the, the pre-show theming of that ride and the technology behind it, the second time I went on it, I was like, I don't fucking care about watching. I want to see how things work because mm-hmm. just the magic of it is so cool. Yeah. All the character figures from America Sings were used throughout the attraction, though Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear figures were specifically designed for Splash Mountain, which makes sense because they had their own characterization and animation style that they needed to capture. Do you think if they didn't capture what they looked like in the movie, they would have been fine? Um, I mean... Look, it's zippity do not no matter what. <laughs> like yeah. you're not getting like they didn't change that part. Like it'll always be associated with the current theme, even if they change the characters with like that darker subtext. But I think it would have it couldn't have hurt. You know, <laughs> let's yeah. not let's not create characters out of racist stereotypes. Yeah, because again, <laughs> like all the other critters on the ride are not directly from the movie. They are. <laughs> holdovers from america sings so there is they did create a way to marry the two styles um so they could have like adjusted it a little bit though i'm sure no one people weren't like in the 80s like they really stopped showing that movie around so unless you like grew up with the movie i guess in the 40s 50s whatever um you would know the characters maybe a little bit better but by the 80s like especially like it's again family friendly like the kids would not know the context so they could have right. changed it no problem absolutely i can't get official confirmation on this but if d23 told me this i'm gonna have to believe it the disneyland attraction features 103 animatronic critters mm-hmm. while magic kingdom only has 68 um magic kingdom has less uh, i think it's because they literally just literally directly took all the characters from the one ride and just threw them all together and i think whatever was left over i think they shipped it over and i and i guess Mm -hmm. that's why there are discrepancies in show scenes and how they are ordered because there are certain characters that are featured in different areas or different characters that don't exist um especially when when we discuss the music because certain characters on the disneyland attraction sing one song and it's others on the other one very interesting Now, the Disneyland version features six to seven seat single rider logs. Both Tokyo and Disneyland Magic Kingdom um, features a four row, eight passenger log where you are seated two by two, though a smaller rider can fit in the row to reach capacity of three. So this is why if you are a family of four, you can go two and two. If you're a family of five, someone's got to suck it up and have the kid in the middle. And as me, who is usually single rider, I could just go on really quickly because boom like mm-hmm. there's an, always an extra seat on that mm-hmm. 
Now, in January of 2011, Splash Mountain and Magic Kingdom received lap bars for its ride vehicles. Each row of two to three riders would share one single lap bar. The Tokyo Disneyland version would receive an individual lap bar, which would allow the height restriction to drop five inches shorter than the other two. Hmm. Disneyland, no lap bar. You're still sitting one by one and good luck. Yes. I don't remember. We'll get into why. (laughs) I don't remember... um, not having the lap bar when I was younger because I've definitely been there before 2011. Yeah. Um, I don't think it ever mattered to me. I was never scared of like falling out of my seat there. Me neither. Um, just an interesting fact that I was like, oh, okay. That well, doesn't change the experience for me personally. Well, we'll get into why they have the <laughs> lap bars now. <laughs> but that's a little bit later. <laughs> um, let's talk about the characters. Mm-hmm. The characters from the attraction can be found in the movie Song of the South, which is locked tight in that Disney vault. This is the only proof left that the company ever made the film. Their representation in the attraction varies slightly from the stories in the film. So when it comes to canon, I guess the ride currently takes precedence of what Song of the South was about. Yeah. We have Br'er Rabbit, voiced by Jess Harnell. Br'er Fox, voiced by J.D. Hall for the Disneyland version, Jess Harnell for the Magic Kingdom version. Rare Bear, voiced by Nick Stewart for Disneyland and James Avery for Magic Kingdom. Nick Stewart was the original Rare Bear for the film. Then we have Mr. Bluebird, who is voiced by Jess Harnell, and Rare Frog, voiced by James Avery. So we're just using the same people for this ride because other characters are now going to be voiced by BJ Ward as Mother Possum and Mother Rabbit. Jess Harnell will be doing the geese, the vultures, and the Rare Turtle. And Thurl Ravenscroft as the Bullfrogs, uh, for those who know Thurl Ravencroft. Uh, he has done many, many characters, including characters from the Haunted Mansion and uh, Tiki Room and all that. So he's a Disney legend. And they're like, come back for this one and be a frog. <laughs> Do you have a favorite character? As a kid, who was the character you were I mean, most obviously, like, Br'er Rabbit. Like, I love animals and, like, as a kid, I was always so upset about what happens right before the drop <laughs> because like I'm vegetarian. So like, I was just like, no, this is wrong. We got to yeah. save him. <laughs> um, but it was all reverse psychology. He was smarter than we thought he was. I know. But as a kid, it's just like that imagery was for an animal loving person. It was just like, oh no. <laughs> and I think really for Disney, Rare Rabbit's really one of the first main character rabbits we've had like secondary character rabbits within the canon like mm-hmm. thumper and yeah. rabbit from winnie the pooh Bear rabbit was our first um hero who is a rabbit um until judy hops oh interesting i wonder what they would do do you think there's any relation <laughs> oh boy <laughs> Zootopia Land will be in uh, Disney World, Florida at some point. We're gonna uh, get it. It's gonna happen uh, uh, with Zootopia Plus coming to Disney Plus soon. It's gonna uh, everyone's gonna be excited for it. <laughs> um, now, Rare Fox, Rare Bear—they're obviously the antagonists. They're the villains. Um, again, playing into stereotypes of um, certain cultures, but also very much into the stereotypes of cartoon villains where. They just fuck everything up. Yeah. They reminded me a lot of like the old um like Looney Tunes like mm-hmm. villains. Like absolutely. When I was a kid, I just thought, oh, it's like another like Looney Tunes villain. 
especially because I wasn't used to that imagery outside the ride. So it's just like, oh, this is, I feel like I'm basically in like a Looney Tunes ride. Yeah. Except I'm in Disney. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the secondary characters, any of them stand out as favorites or uh, like me, didn't you forget they existed? Yeah. Like, honestly, just like watching, rewatching like point of view videos. I'm just like, oh yeah, they were there. But like, that's not like, for me, that wasn't the point of the ride. The point of the ride was right. always th- for the thrills. So it was like, oh yeah, it's happening. But I just want to go on the strap already. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, I guess Br'er Frog is the closest to a narrator that we would have um, mm. within the ride. Because um, he does appear a couple times. And then the other characters are just fun. They're, they're, they're silly. They're, they're, they're just like, you know, random. Yeah. Random. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go through the music a little bit. Splash Mountain features three songs from the film Song of the South. They include How Do You Do? written by Robert McGimsey and Everybody's at a Laughing Place and Zippity Doodah, written by Ali Werbel and Ray Gilbert. The other songs from the film play on loop as instrumental tracks in the queue. They include That's What Uncle Remus Said, Let the Rain Pour Down, Sooner or Later, and the opening theme from the film. For the Walt Disney World attraction, bluegrass versions of Old MacDonald Had a Farm and Goober Peas, in addition to the main three songs, are played in the hour-long loop. Um, and yes, it is very possible you could sit in that hour-long loop based on the wait time for that ride. Um, it took animators over 80 hours to synchronize each figure to the music. It wow. To rewire and test each additional figure took an additional three months before the attraction could open as programmers were tasked to reprogram the America Sings figures to have a decent level of realism in accordance to the new setting. Hmm. Us as consumers, we just want the ride. We don't understand yeah. why it takes forever. Um, I think that's maybe why the beauty of Disney animatronics is so powerful is because they are so meticulous into doing this. Like 80 hours to synchronize each figure. That means you have to like go through that ride many, 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 many times and watch each individual character to make sure it all fits. Yeah. And they weren't dealing with the technology we have today either. Like right. today we could have, they probably could have just thrown it all into a computer and just like set it all up that way. But Which is this- probably why when it comes to this quicker turnaround for uh, Tiana's bioadventure, that's what they're going to end up doing. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They can build everything in their studios, program it, and then throw it into the scene and they're basically done. done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Each character performs... 45 seconds of movement and dialogue before it loops back to the beginning of the sequence, which means for the average rider, unless you get stuck on the ride, you will never see the same thing happen because you only see it for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go through the songs. How do you do? The track was specifically recorded for the ride in 1988 by the Floozies, a 29 piece band from Oregon. The band's leader, vocalist, Walter Stephen Sim Hergel can be heard singing most of the words while his fellow band members provide harmony and backing vocals. And this is where you can hear that veteran voice actor, Thrill Ravenscroft, as the bulldog, the bullfrogs. I've always enjoyed How Do You Do. It was never one of my favorite songs, but it's always, it's a catchy. All the music on this ride is catchy. Yeah. Everybody's Got a Laughing Place. The song, in addition to the elements borrowed from Burroughs Lament, were sung by Elisa, Georgia, and Castile Newton, three sisters from California who worked for the Disney company at the time of the ride's construction. Castile and Alyssa provided the words while Georgia was responsible for the high-pitched operatic elements. Now, 
you're like, well, I don't remember this. Anymore. I don't remember this song at all. <laughs> because this version is only in the Disneyland version. Uh, because you, ha- it's the geese, the female geese who sing mm-hmm. this. While in the other two versions, it's more of an ensemble of characters. Okay. Now, when we get to the vultures at the lift hill, they are voiced by Jess Harnell, who does many other characters within the attraction, including Rare Rabbit. Um, and again, it's using the elements of Everybody's Got a Laughing Place and Burroughs Lament, which is not really used in the Walt Disney World version. Mm-hmm. And of course, Zippity Doodah is consisted of a chorus of 75 cast members wow. that were used to record the score for the song. It was recorded in 1987 at the company's Burbank Studios. And it's become the staple song of the attraction has been featured in various Disney related shows, products, promotional materials, parade. Do you think it's ever going to go away? See, it's so hard because it's so integrated with song Mm -hmm. of the South. Like literally they won an Academy award for best song of the year with that song. So it's always going to, I guess, like be in the fabric of at least film and American culture. But like, if we really have to look at like, you know, where it's coming from and like, if, why do we condone, like, why do we think this song is acceptable, but the rest of the movie is not ex- like, I feel like it's, it's right. kind of a complicated situation. It is very complicated. And I could see if they ever do like a legacy, like fireworks show or something, they'll throw in zippity doo for prosperity's sake and for movement of the cultural world. I think we're not going to hear it for a while at the parks. I'm totally fine with that. It can go. <laughs> um, the song has been covered numerous times by pop artists anywhere from Frank Sinatra, Dionne Warwick, the Jackson 5, and it had multiple entries on the Disney Mania soundtracks as performed by the likes of Allie and AJ and Miley Cyrus. Huh. Yeah, like, I feel like they always tried to keep that song very separate from the movie. They like, did. It's just like a brand of Disney song, especially when I was growing up. Like, I again, no Song of the South reference at all. Besides, though, they did, I believe, have like the original Song of the South with the original singer on the Disney sing-along songs. Yes, they so did. that was literally my only exposure to that like source. So I feel like Disney always, I think, just really tried to separate it. But mm-hmm. I don't think you could really separate it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you um, and again, it's like so many people have covered it over the years. And it's always been like, oh, my God, it's such a happy, fun song. Yeah. I hope you have a zippity doo dah day. We didn't know yeah you were not educated i yeah like now that we know like we have to like say hey this is wrong but like it was disney like this was all on disney like just trying Mm -hmm. to cover up it's like i mean disney itself has a lot of reasons disney brainwashing young people of america (laughs) no way (laughs) i am a victim of it i'm aware now the medley of songs from the attraction have found themselves on at least 13 Disney park related albums. So again, it's going to be there. You can find it. It's not going away, but I think moving forward for new generations, um, you're going to be listening to almost there all the time. Oh yeah. Well, I feel like that. now, we, especially Disney's, especially since the nineties have gone very musical theater, Broadway. There's so many new songs to the lexicon. There's so many Absolutely. more artists that they've used like even with frozen all of it like Encanto right now like all of it there's so much more they can choose from now but i feel like in the 80s they were probably very limited especially because in the 80s disney wasn't doing too well with their animation side so like they didn't really have much to choose from that's literally why they chose song of the south they didn't have much to choose from exactly 
but going forward, like we have a lot more, like, let it go. Let's just let it go. <laughs> Let's discuss the various iterations of the ride. For those who listen to the Haunted Mansion um, podcast, they are drastically different from one another. They all have their own lore. They all have their own characterizations. Um, this one is not as different, especially when it comes to Magic Kingdom in Tokyo, but Disneyland is slightly different. So this attraction is set in Critter Country. The ride is the single seat, six to seven person log. Before the ride enters the indoor portion, you can hear snoring emerge from the rare bear cave as a tribute to the original entrance to Carrier Country where a bear named Rufus was heard snoring from a cave. Yeah, that's cool. I learned about that. I was like, wow. I, I just love, like, it's like immersive. <laughs> yeah, I love having park lore within the rides and, and paying homage to the things that were there um because there are i don't think other parks around the world care to do that they're like that didn't work we're getting rid of it yeah like if you go to any other non-disney park like it's just like everything feels very like sectioned and it's just like based on rides and not a cohesive experience at all now before we're turning to the loading area riders were given a preview of their picture thanks to professor barnaby owl calling riders attention to the screens not sure if this is still there but that's how the disneyland version would do it and music on this iteration is done in a jazzy big band meets orchestral style due to its proximity to New Orleans Square. So watching the ride throughs from Disneyland, you're like, oh, it sounds so different than Disney World. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to Magic Kingdom where the attraction is set in Frontierland across the way from Big Thunder Mountain. The ride does have an eight passenger log. The start of this version features an introduction narration from Rare Frog. So he is our narrator for this version. And in the queue, you can see him um, through a shadow on the wall where it looks like he's telling the story. Yeah. While the scenes are virtually identical in nature, the characters who the three main characters interact with in said scenes vary. For example, rather than sharing with Br'er Turtle that he's going to the laughing place, Br'er Rabbit shares this information with Mr. Bluebird. The vultures at the lift hill wear top hats, unlike Disneyland's vultures who are top hatless such a huge difference (laughs) after the drop there is one more outdoor flume segment that passes by the frontier land walkway and features a mini drop so you thought you're out of the woods there no you're still getting wet that's why it's so much fun and due to the proximity to frontier land the soundtrack has a more country feel using banjos and harmonicas as the primary instruments When we go to Tokyo Disneyland, this version is set in Critter Country, which is fully inspired by the attraction. Literally, Critter Country is everything Song of the South. Oh, wow. It's not necessarily fully Song of the South, but they they all live in the same world. So the land itself is all critters, and there may be a factor in why things may not change there, because they'd have to do the entire land. Yeah, they're not going to spend money on it. No. The ride's layout is a mirror version of Florida's owing to the attraction location on the opposite side of the river. So everything you see, flip it. And that's what you get in Tokyo. Mm. The secondary characters are different and the scene order is different. This version lacks a mill or um, anything similar in the second lift. And instead of the logs venturing to a cave-like opening to begin the second ascent. Unlike Florida, the Sip and Falls drop takes place in the dark cave, making the final drop the only outdoor one. It also lacks the extra mini drop um, after the final drop. And the lyrics for How Do You Do and Zippity Doo Dah 
R in Japanese and English for everybody's got a laughing place. Ah. Very interesting. I would I would want to see that. And um, one of my favorite channels, Review Time, they did a, a video recently um, why the Tokyo Disneyland was the best Splash Mountain attraction. Oh, really? Oh, now you're making me want to go. Not that I didn't want to go before. but Yeah, I mean, one day we'll, we'll all just do a mutual, like, go to every single, like, there, we'll do the around the world in Epcot, except actually around the world. <laughs> so Disney, I don't know, I don't know if you saw, I, I sent it to our dear friend, Chiffon Dior. Um, but there is a new um, Adventures by Disney vacation, I guess, where you and a group of people are in a private jet and travel the world for two weeks with stops at every single <gasps> park. Oh, my God. Worth wow. $2,000 each. That's, that's honestly not I mean, bad $200,000 each. Oh, $200,000. It's like a, pri- it's like a okay. private VIP tour of the Disney worlds. I was wow. like, if I win the lottery, that's the first thing I'm buying. And then that can I can be four. Yeah, I can never afford it, especially after spending all my money already at Disney <laughs> <laughs> for my wedding. But it's nice to think about. Um, would you ever do your vows on Splash Mountain as you're going down the lift hill or going down the drop? <laughs> so I'm not like I'm being forced to do vows because I think vows are kind of like it's not really my thing, sure. but I have to do it. But um absolutely because it'd be much faster (laughs) there's the photo you can do together yeah i mean we're doing the parks in the morning the day after the wedding anyway but we're going to be at epcot not at well you can still get fun photos um through all oh yeah oh well well i'm gonna be wearing white so now this was a category that i think you're excited about i'm excited about it um and we we alluded to it but we didn't say exactly why we're going to talk about the injuries and incidents on splash mountain it's so dark. I feel like I was like, so I just watched a video on it because I didn't really realize. I think I kind of heard about it, but I just didn't remember. But I rewatched a video on it. And oh, my God, it's literally like Final Destination. What happened? OK, so mm-hmm. on November 5th, 2000, a 37 year old man from St. Petersburg, Florida, was fatally injured while trying to exit the ride vehicle while it was moving. He told fellow passengers he felt ill and attempted to reach one of the marked emergency exits. He was struck by the following ride vehicle and later died at the hospital. So I just watched about it. Basically what happened was this guy felt really sick. It was like, it's literally the middle of the ride, but like it's the slow part. So he like literally jumps out, goes by the animatronics and then sees an exit sign on the other side. And he thought that he could just go through like step on the log that he just got off of and um to get to the other side to get to the exit but the log moved while like like the ride just started moving again while he was stepping on it and then he fell and then it was like some very very dark carnage type situation It, 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 I, I remember this because I, I don't know the exact dates. I'd have to really go back in time and find out. But I know I was in Disney around this time. Oh, my God. Because I distinctly remember being in my room with my family and them having the news on because there was a hanging Chad situation in Florida with the election. So okay. I know it was there around this mm-hmm. time. And I think I remember the news of this happening. And we were in Disney World. I'm really like. Oh my god. Oh my god. god. But it was not, oh my god, that's terrifying. It was oh my god, I want to go on Splash Mountain. They better not close it. <laughs> oh no. I'm an asshole. Hello. That's me. 
Um, but I, I do distinctly remember that. And I, I remember there was a lot of fear behind it because, oh my God, it's a d- dangerous ride. It's not that the ride's dangerous. No. It was the action that he took that made it fatal. Um, my thing is, this is a grown adult. And yeah. as a kid, I rode this ride by myself a lot. Like as a kid, you know, hands and feet inside the ride. There's no getting out you of the ride. tell you that. There's no getting out. Like, yeah. I don't care what ride it is. Like, so this was a grown adult who chose to do this and like had very fatal consequences but like it just one of the like heads were like we can't regulate like you know common sense about this situation so like you know you make your choices in life and i i'm not sure how it really works behind this magic behind the scenes um i know there are a lot of cast members that it takes to operate these attractions um, I don't know if there literally is someone who's watching every single room in, on the attraction to make sure someone is okay. Um, could he have like waved and been like SOS? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the safety protocols are. I don't know. I, I'm assuming they had cameras in there, but there definitely yeah. wasn't like somebody working that section. Like, I don't think there was someone physically there in that section right. who could have like stepped in and tried to stop it. Right. Um, because again, we, we've all been through experiences where on rides where the ride will either slow down or stop because um, either there is a, a handicap um, entry onto a ride and you have to slow it down for that kind of thing, or people do have an issue and the ride has to stop. Yeah. Um, so it's not uncommon. I'm sure there is a safety procedure there in place that the average person is not going to know about. So you make what you think is the logical explanation to get off the ride. And unfortunately it was a fatal decision. How, like, just, I don't care what ride you're on. Like you don't get off the ride. Right. You don't like, don't do it. I wouldn't get off. It's a small world. Like, no. And that's a well, small because ride. If you get <laughs> off, on, it's a small world. You're stuck there in, in the demonic world and you turn into Forever. one of the dolls. Honestly, I like the Disneyland. It's a small world. So if I could be like one of the princess dolls, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> now, there were other incidents, not as fatal, but um, fascinating. Yeah. In August of 2020 and April and July of 2022. Yeah, literally just recently. <laughs> the attraction found riders on vehicles that were sinking. Yep. In the first instance, cast members advised guests to stay in the vehicle as standing on the platform would have posed a safety hazard, which we now understand why. Yeah, why? Um <laughs> I don't know why these things sunk, but like, like obviously, like if you get a hole in a ride, it goes. I, I mean, think they're also, like maybe they're watched, older. Yeah, we we've we watched um, Jungle Cruise sink in the in that time period as well. <laughs> what I didn't know that one. <laughs> yeah, there was one uh, ride of that where it went. Whoop, um, oh my god! Water's water. This is it's logical. Were people fucking around? Who knows? But because of technology today, we got it on camera. Hmm. Um, also, as I was getting ready for the podcast, I think within the past week, someone did a video, I think of Disneyland, um, where someone literally got submerged in the water at mm-hmm. the, um, the drop because of the weight of the vehicle. Oh. Um, he was sitting in the front and it, literally the wave went over him. <gasps> I was like, That's fun. Oh <laughs> my God. Soaked. He was soaked, but everyone's having a fun time. No, it wasn't an uh, incident. It just means yeah. if you're on the ride with a lot of heavy people, you're you're going under almost. Literally, like, just just check who's around you. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever been stuck on a Disney attraction? 
No, but like when I was a, like a kid, like all we all wanted to do was get stuck on a roller coaster because then you yeah. could just hang out there and like, especially um. So like I've gone to Six Flags so much during my life that our number one dream is like for it the King Ka, which is like the tallest roller coaster, whatever, to like so not go all the way up. It just goes like as far as it can go, and then it goes backwards. But then they have to still launch it again, so you get to basically ride the ride twice. Like That's that was fair. the dream. That's fair. That was the dream. Um, well, as someone who got um, temporarily stalled on a roller coaster at Disney World, um, oh, make long. sure you pick one that's not del- like right out in the sun. I was oh my god, Slinky Dog Dash before the second launch. Wow, I got a sunburn because of it. Was this your recent trip? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! So I mean, the ride was fine. We got to finish the ride. I was like, okay. can we do it together? Like, no. But we stuck. No, it didn't matter. Um, but yeah, we were stuck right before the second launch, so it didn't affect the the okay. ride experience. Uh, but we were sitting there for about ten minutes, and I can just feel my body start sweating. Oh my god! And it's like I don't have any water. I finished the water before getting on the ride. Yeah. I'm hot. Um, and I was also it was like June first, so I was wearing my um, Disney uh, Pride uh, tank top because I wanted to take a photo Photos. for. Um, yeah the month and i didn't get my ideal photo because i didn't the um uh rise of resistance was shut down so i didn't get to ride it so i got in front of um buzz lightyear and i got a great photo but because i was in the sun so much i was burnt to a (laughs) press but that's how you know you're in florida (laughs) i know really (laughs) let's discuss the legacy of splash mountain and this is where we will discuss the future of splash mountain in June 2020, it was announced that Disneyland and Magic Kingdom attractions would be rethemed based on The Princess and the Frog. Disney said that the development of the project began in 2019 prior to the online petition circulating during the George Floyd protest. The New York Times reported that Disney executives privately discussed removing the Song of the South elements for five years before putting the new theme into development. Okay. Fact or fiction? I, <laughs> I don't know if I believe it. See, at least now with Chapek, I feel like Disney's so cheap. I don't think Disney would want to go out of their way to retheme something if they didn't have to. Right. So I think mm-hmm. Bob Iger is, if it was, yeah, it was Iger at that real, time. Mm-hmm. I think Iger would have had the conversations in 2019 and be like, we should probably look into this. Yeah. Um, again another opportunity for disney to have changed it and they took time not to it took a serious issue in the Mm -hmm. world for them to finally make the move the new project is being led by walt disney imagineer senior creative producer charita carter with tony baxter returning as creative advisor how would it feel for tony baxter to come back and be like remember all that hard work i did and i have to redo it um but I feel like, especially when you work at these parks or like do these types of projects, like it, like, you know, Disney was always really big on it never being perfect. You have to keep changing and changing right. until it's like the perfect product. So I feel like it's kind of ingrained into these people to yeah. constantly be innovating. I think it's a good idea to have him back because it's still his legacy. I and mean, you don't want to be like, okay, remember your legacy? It's gone now. To have him still be a part of it, I think is really important. Um, Let's be real. He he can retire, not do anything ever again. He's still going to be Tony Baxter. Yeah. 
when you heard it was going to be Princess and the Frog, what was your initial feeling? I was a, a little confused of why they would choose that one, but like it totally makes sense. I just, it does. It, it, I just wasn't expecting it, especially because Princess and the Frog was um, like a Disney property that didn't do that well at the box right. office. So like it was, it threw me off a little bit, but like it totally makes sense. Like it's so easy to retheme that theme. And yeah. I, I especially like, because um, you know, you, you know, it should be from an empowered place, not from like, an oppressive place of where they take this ride. Right. Tiana's Bayou Adventure will open in late 2024 and take place after the events of The Princess and the Frog. Now, based on the concept art, the attraction will see a major overhaul of the exterior while using the animatronics within the attraction. Anikanani Rose, the voice of Tiana, will be involved in the development of the attraction and return to voice the character. She made a surprise appearance during D23 to help celebrate the official announcement of the new attraction, which is also where we saw some updated art of the ride. So things, like, keep changing on what Mm -hmm. they plan on doing with this. So, like, they were planning on doing, like, a lot with the exterior, and now they're like, nope. (laughs) Well, my biggest thing, (laughs) my biggest problem was when we saw the concept art, I was like, where is the mountain? Where is the attraction? Where I don't see anything because it was just like a tree. Mm -hmm. That's the whole beauty of Splash Mountain was the exterior and and getting that shot in front of it. It lost that lore for me. Mm -hmm. Well, so what they said at D23, they're really like kind of focusing what it's going to, even though it's not a night ride, what it's going to look like at night. So I feel like they're trying to go towards like a Pandora-esque like situation, but for Magic Kingdom. I, I know Disney, I know the concept art is actually for Disneyland, but I feel like that technology they're trying to just bring over for this yeah. part of the park. And like, I love that part. Like I love Pandora so much like at night. So I, I understand where they're going with that. They keep changing what the exterior is going to look like. Like they're just getting cheaper and cheaper with how they're doing it. Because mm-hmm. originally it was supposed to have Ma- Mama Odie, which is one of the characters from Tiana, Princess and the Frog. Um, her house is in the tree, right. which would have been a cool element. Like if they could have made that work, but they could scrap that. Yeah, because it would have at least been a landmark. You would have seen yeah. it and be like, oh my God, we're going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I was, uh, I'm still completely, kind of confused about the story what kind of story we're getting like why not just do a sequel of the movie why do we have to do it in ride form so at d23 they talked about the story elements basically i think so i didn't totally memorize it but basically like it's tiana's like getting ready for mardi gras and like she has like the characters in the movie and there's gonna be new characters that were not Mm -hmm. in the movie in this ride and um I guess like she's looking for like ingredients and like um, the alligator from the movie is going to be like also like your guide through yep, Lewis. Yeah. Lewis. Which is why I think they're going to re um, reskin Br'er Bear to Lewis so much because they have so many of those options. Yeah. They, they focused a lot about like how there's going to be like a lot of like cool effects inside, which but is like all well and good. I just, I want to know if it's going to be like a video screen ride. I know they're keeping some of the animatronics. How much are they really keeping? Right. I don't know. Well, for those who are Universal fans, as you know, that the the screened rides are the new frontier where everyone's yeah. like, look at the screen. And they're like, no, give me something I can actually touch. Um, 
my bigger question is there are some amazing songs from the movie. Mm-hmm. If we're going after the film, like, will those songs be incorporated? I because I want to see a freaking riverboat all decked out for Mardi Gras with everybody singing Dig a Little Deeper. That's my finale. Mm. Will we get yeah. it? I, I think they're making some new songs for the ride. Because I, and I, like, my friend was always like, oh my God, like, here's how you sell it. Dr. Facilier's song goes as you're going up the lift hill. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. I that hear that'd it. be really cool, actually. Um, so that's why I'm like, wait, we're going after the film. What music are we going to have? Don't make Randy Newman write new music. <laughs> Please. I mean, um, he needs the royalty check. He sure does. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of question marks. Um, as we kind of discussed earlier, like, this turnaround um, is fast very late 2024 is fast the reality is they don't have to do too much to the exterior building on the not shown side the building will stay it's going to be the facade from the audience view that will change and the Mm -hmm. elements within we'll see we'll see i'm sure they've been working on it um again if this has been an idea they've had for a while I'm sure they're in their little studios making everything and they're just going to go, here we go. Let's put it in. Cause there's no official uh, closing date for the ride either. I know it's going to be soon. My, I like that they're putting a lot of research and effort because they want it to be very like new, new Orleans, like eccentric, right. like they're, 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 they're put in the work. So I'm really hoping the product will show that also like I'd be total, like one of my, favorite new rides is um mickey and minnie's um runaway railway mm-hmm. and i think it would be so cool if they if they're going to use screens to use it in that capacity sure because it feels so cool when you're in the ride it doesn't look great when you watch like actual videos of the ride but like when you're in the ride it's it's a really cool experience so i'm yeah i'd be totally down if that's the direction they're headed. now i love to bring things full circle and, and refer to um earlier comments remember uh flash mountain if it's mardi gras themes it's perfect (laughs) it's gonna happen and i think they're gonna have to start telling people please just don't do that um that's really the one thing people uh, grown adults think of when you think of mardi gras show them your boobs so we'll see you're you're giving people a lot of credit because i again i still think it's like a family-friendly place like the people who tend to ride splash mountain Mountain tend to skew on the male side at least every time i've wrote it so i feel like i don't think that's gonna be too much of a problem <laughs> yeah i i hope i hope i'm being um wrong here but that would be hilarious if teenage girls come on going on field trips from their high school who knows that's true my, my my high school went to disney i did not go with them but like they were psychotic <laughs> <laughs> so at the current time there is no official plans to retheme the tokyo disneyland attraction Though the Oriental Land Company, which operates Tokyo Disneyland, is engaged in discussions about whether or not to change the attraction. As I noted earlier in the review time video, um, he discussed that culturally in Japan, it is good practice to listen to comments and concerns, but not do anything about it. Oh, what? (laughs) So... um, (laughs) it's custom for them to say, oh yes, thank you for telling us. And okay. then they're going to be like, no. And because it's not owned by Disney, yeah. Disney doesn't get the full say. Yep. Uh, because it is attached to the full creator country, that may be the reason why it's not going to change. Um, but there's still time. The good thing is, if the, the ride is a success in the US, they can do it. If the ride is a bomb, they can say, okay, let's try something else. The thing is, they're like, 
it's Japan, it's not America. So they right. don't have the same type of association that we do with exactly like slavery and civil rights. Like it's a very different culture. So when they go on this ride, I doubt they really know the full context of it. Just like we didn't know the full context when we right. were kids. Exactly. They probably don't know the full context of it. So now as far as the legacy we've discussed how it's been in parades and fireworks shows and albums and all that stuff but there is a cult following for the on-ride scent of splash mountain (laughs) water you can get the scent of the splash mountain water through a candle from the magic candle company and people buy it it's one of their best sellers Makes me want to buy it. I don't know if I would want to smell chlorine. <laughs> there are some amazing scents that Disney offers. Like go on um, uh, Soaring Over the World and you get get it right in your face. I want those. Mm. Not sure if the, the water of Splash Mountain is what I'm going for. I actually own like an off brand like that does like Disney sense. I they mm-hmm. ha- I don't as far as I know they haven't done a Splash Mountain one, but like what's the company? It, uh, it's called I think it's called Wishes Candle Co. Okay. I was actually like using one of their they they have the best um like churro scent. Oh my god, and the beignets are really good too. But um, so they do like ones after the rides. But I mean, I would try it. I love candles. well Magic Magic Candle Company is a is that an the official brand. one? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's, it's, it's off brand also, but yes, oh, that's okay. the one who has this. It's called Splash, um, ironically enough. Uh, but yeah, I have a bunch of theirs, and it's some of the best candles also. Maybe I should ask to them if they want to sponsor the podcast. Let's, yeah. let's do that. Give me some candles. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of theirs. They also have bath fizzles. Well, okay. I, I, I They're like bath bombs, <laughs> but um, I just yeah. love the scent. Um, I oh, They're so amazing. I love this company. But yeah, so they have it of the water. They do splash. They sure do. They have a lot for the fizzles. Okay, mm-hmm. probably, probably that. Then you would feel like you're actually sinking. In yeah, the I, I that rock. that I, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> All right, we've gone through a lot of things about Splash Mountain. What did we miss? What else do you want to discuss? Oh God, I don't even know. Like the thing is, I love Splash Mountain, the ride itself, but like you know, it's not you know. Pirates of the Caribbean. It doesn't have like the same, like, it's a pretty straightforward topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's not the OG attractions. It was in the later realm of Disney development. Um, but it was a ride that definitely caught the attention of a lot of people because it was a in-between moderate thrill ride. Yeah. Um, and it really was like the first water ride that Disney brought to the parks um because we didn't really have any log flumes or rapid rides um so it was kind of exciting to have something new there um and the world's changed i understand why splash mountain is changing but my nostalgia will always miss it i'm like i'm kind of like it's fine like the storyline never was like anything special to me so like i'm totally fine with them retheming it I just hope the retheme is like entertaining. Yeah, that's 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 my concern. Um, I know the source material of Princess and the Frog is very much beloved. There's a lot of opportunity to play with. Again, if you're looking for things with critters, there's your new source material. You got it. 
And they're really like New Orleans focused because obviously in Disneyland, there's like New Orleans Square, but like they're like also bringing that over to Magic Kingdom. They just, we didn't really talk about, they opened um, the new like store mm-hmm, for like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what's the exact name of it, but they have like Tiana's like goods there, like recipes and stuff. I It's brand new. So like, I haven't been there yet, but like, they're kind of like redoing that little section of the yeah. park. So I feel like they're just trying to tie it all together. And it's really important to have this kind of representation in the parks because sure, Tiana has been there here and there as a character. You can meet her and take a picture, see on a float. But now to have a, the presence of the first African-American princess in the Disney um, world, it's important for, for people to see that and, and for little girls to go and be like, I want to ride my ride. So it's really going to be very important. And I think this is a huge step for Disney. Did it take a little longer than it should have? Way too long. long. But at least the steps were made. It did take until D23 this year for us to finally get confirmation that's actually happening. Because saying you're going to do something and then actually doing it are two different things. I was watching about um, like the models of like how... I guess the PR part of how Disney versus Universal does things and like Universal will not tell you a damn thing. You don't really know what's going on. Like literally they're opening a new park. Not really a clue what's happening with that. But Disney will tell you too much <laughs> and then like slowly retract and retract and retract. And then when they retract it, everyone's like, are you fucking kidding me? Put it back. Yeah. So I feel like they need to work on their own like, you know, PR structure, especially with the fans because Disney fans are die hard because after again we were referencing d23 quite a bit um because d23 did give us a lot of um hints and clues to potential Mm -hmm. other worlds and stuff the beyond big thunder mountain thing i was like if that doesn't happen there are going to be a lot of angry people yeah they they shouldn't be making promises they can't keep especially because they're getting cheaper and cheaper when it comes to the parks but and that that being said um putting moana in um animal kingdom i think enough people are like no don't do that so maybe that's the parameter of like get the things people are excited for and then find out what they're not excited for. I'll take Zootopia over Moana full. I don't, I don't need Moana. Well, Moana's going to be an Epcot, Epcot, right? Yeah. Exactly. We only yeah. her twice. Oh, no. oh so it would have been a separate project. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll see. I like Dino Land. I know. Me too. Even though there's not much gonna- there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to know if they're, if they're going to get rid of it completely and or keep dinosaur or what. Well, so one of the ones that I was really thinking about was the dinosaur ride for to do the show on because that is also one of my all time favorite rides there. I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is, for those who don't know, it's the exact same ride track as the Indiana Jones attraction at Disneyland. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so you could take the dinosaurs out and make it a Zootopia attraction, and it would still work. No, I want to be scared. Hey, sloths are scary. They move too slow. Well, going to DMV is scary, so. <laughs> Literally. But yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of things to explore. And listeners, if you're enjoying this kind of podcast, we got so much more Disney content we can throw at you. The Block Talk Think Tank is going to happen where we're, the first episode, we will be discussing um, dream re-themes. So it fits perfectly, ties into this. And I have some amazing ideas and some ideas that people are like, you're stupid. I was like, I know. <laughs> Listen, living with the land, not necessary. You know who is an, a plant that can live with the land and it ties together? Groot. Just oh, saying. Oh, that's smart. Living with the Groot. Don't tell Chiffon Dior this. 
Oh, that's her favorite. I run my own <laughs> to her and she yells at me. Just like I told her the other day, I was like, you know, it'd be brilliant for the UK pavilion. Put a blue police box there. You can go in oh. it and then all of a sudden it's bigger in the on the inside. Why? Because Disney Plus now has Doctor Who. Thank you. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. They're going to be airing the new season in 2023. They oh. Oh, I, so I'm just okay. saying, you, I would take a 3D adventure going with the Doctor and a companion through space and time. Um, I need an attraction. If anyone's listening, that's not allowed to happen until March 2nd. 2023 because i need the uk pavilion for my wedding that's fair that's fair um we'll see we'll see what happens lots of things to discuss but splash mountain this was a fun journey i enjoyed going through this just like splash mountain well thank you for being here thank you before we go where can we find you on social media venmo and any projects you want to plug (laughs) um so i guess first please try to find my podcast wigging out Wigging Out podcast. We are available on every type of listening device that exists. I didn't remember we were on Audible. We are on Audible. Um, and then if you want to find me individually, I mainly only use Instagram. So um, my at is C Tepper. And if you want to Venmo me, I believe it's Tip Tepper. So that'd be cute. That's it. Brandon, <laughs> we love it. Well, I guess next time we hop on this attraction, we'll be heading to the Louisiana Bayou to dig a little deeper. We are. Thank you so much for being here. Exactly. The biggest thanks to C. Tepper for coming on. Subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash block talk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. <laughs> <laughs>